So if you've uh, been around me long, you, you know I love trivia. I'm not sure how, how much that says about me, that I love something that by definition is unimportant. Uh, but uh, I had to delete the Trivia Crack uh, app off, off my iPad because I spent too much time on it. And if we go to Buffalo Wild Wings, I'm going to be divided my attention on the trivia games there. Uh, but sometimes it helps me. You know, uh, for instance, this week, you might find this interesting. I, I hope you do. It, it fit in with what I wanted to talk about, that uh, we have a little bit of confusion in our popular culture about what love is. And this is indicated by uh, the number of songs that have hit number one. Over 100 songs have hit number one uh, in the last 60 years on the charts. Uh, and here are some of them. Back in 1956, Elvis wanted people to love me tender. And then a few years later, he sang that he can't help falling in love, 1962. Even though he couldn't help falling in love, some obviously could because there were some who had lost that loving feeling, according to the Righteous Brothers. The Supremes wanted people to stop in the name of love, while the Beatles told us that all you need is love. A few years later, while the Partridge family sang, I think I love you, Olivia Newton-John could say, I honestly love you. In 1975, the Eagles were willing to give the best of my love. And Captain and Tennille told us that love will keep us together. By 1976, Paul McCartney was decrying all the silly love songs. But REO Speedwagon vowed in 1981 to keep on loving you. In fact, it was the only thing they wanted to do. Lionel Richie and Diana, Diana Ross knew that they would keep on loving because they sang about their endless love in 19... I don't know about y'all, but that song was endless to me. Uh, that was my senior year of high school, and uh, I, I never recall turning the radio off so much. While Tina Turner wanted to know what love's got to do with it in 1984. In 1985, Whitney Houston was, say, was saving all my love for you, even as foreigners said, I want to know what love is. Uh, the reason that stood out to me is I, I think today our culture uh, needs to know what love is. I, I think we talk about love so much that a lot of times the meaning has been uh, undermined. It's been taken away. We, we don't even... For example, I, I told you as I began, I love trivia. No, listen, I don't really love trivia. I just like it a lot. I, I don't love it. It really depends on how you define the word love, doesn't it? I believe this culture needs love more than ever. I believe a reason for a lot of the ailments and ills of our society is the lack of love as God defines it, as the scriptures define it. And I want to talk today about our mission as a church. And maybe you've heard this, maybe you haven't. I, I probably should say it every Sunday when I get up here. We exist to lead people to Jesus and equip them to follow him. That's what we're about as a church. And we do that by helping people grow in discipleship. And we, this, a, a good growing disciple is going to be loving God, loving others, and loving to serve. That's what the scriptures tell us. Matthew 22, Jesus said the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. And second, to love your neighbor as yourself. And several scriptures talk about the need for us to show our love by serving others. What the scriptures talk about is love. And almost always, when you see love in the New Testament, it is the Greek word agape. 
There are four words in Greek for love. There was a word for family love. There was a word for friendship love. There was a word for romantic love. And then there's a word for unconditional love. Putting somebody else before yourself. That agape is what Scripture in the New Testament most often says. In fact, almost all the instances of love in the New Testament are agape or a form of it. So all that conveys to me uh, that if this is important, if we as a church want to be loving God and loving others and loving to serve as we grow in discipleship, then, then we need to have a plan. We, we need to be focused on that. We need to have a priority on that. The Lord convicted me in this last year that, that we really, we need to step up in our discipleship first as individuals and we need to step up as a church to be better at disciple making. That's why I've begun this year talking about a small group leadership two weeks ago. And I talked last week about participating in small group. Uh, to, today I want to wrap it all up and we're going to be signing up, uh, folks, today in the next couple of weeks for small group involvement and small group leadership. All because I think we want to be the best disciples we can be. We want to be the best disciple makers we can be. We want to be the real deal in disciple making. By that, I think it means we need to be genuine. We need to be authentic. That needs to be a priority for us to be disciple makers. A very young boy, crippled since birth, was hurrying to catch a bus. Carrying gifts under his arm, he's struggling with his crutches. Suddenly a man bumped into him, knocking his parcels in all directions. A man then paused and he, he scolded the lad. He cursed him out for getting in his way. Another gentleman, seeing all this unfold, quickly picked up the scattered gifts the boy had dropped and slipped a $10 bill into his pocket. Now this was a few decades ago, so $10 was a lot more money then. He slipped a $10 bill into his pocket saying, I'm sorry, I hope this makes up for your trouble. The boy couldn't remember being shown such kindness. He called after him, Mr., thank you. And, sir, are you Jesus? No, replied the man, but I am one of his followers. Now, if your faith was in Jesus was put to the test like that, which person would you be? Which person would I be? I think all of us would hope we would be that first, or the second gentleman and say we would help that young boy in distress, but yet maybe the first man was hurrying. Maybe he was late for an appointment. Maybe he was late for a ministry engagement and he was hurrying also. Maybe the boy wasn't paying attention where he was going. He was careless. He was inattentive. In today's world, those both would pass, those excuses. We would rationalize away our behavior as reasons where it was understandable for that first man to cuss out the young boy and be on their way. But I believe the Lord holds us who follow him and say we're believers, I believe he holds us to a much higher standard. I want to be the real deal as a disciple and a disciple maker. I hope and I believe most of us do 
That's why you got up on a Sunday morning, rainy Sunday morning, and you're here. And I want to talk about that by using and us looking at for a few moments 1 John 3, 16 through 18. I think this talks about a genuine discipleship. And I think it talks about three qualities of a genuine, a real deal disciple. Uh, the first, it tells us about genuine love. It tells us about genuine love. And we should have, we need to have that quality. Verse 16 says, this is how we know what love is, what agape is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That verse never ceases to move me. I've read it many times. You know, we talk often about John 3.16. I think we should think about 1 John 3.16 maybe just as much. You know what that means? It means that Jesus loved so much that he laid down his life even for the atheist. He laid down his life even for the people that persecute his followers. When it says us, it means all of us. Those who are his followers and those who are his enemies. Love, genuine love, agape unconditional love means that we put others above ourselves. It means that our priorities become something different than what comes natural to us. What comes natural is to put ourselves first, to put those around us, maybe in our family first. But this is talking about uh, putting others before yourself. That's, that's Christian love. That's what disciples learn to do, is to lay down their lives for others. First John 4, 7, and 8 gives us a little more understanding. Just a chapter later, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because... God is love. If we are going to be a disciple, which means to a person who seeks to follow after Jesus, then, then we have to live in a way that shows our intention. Uh, in other words, it doesn't just become something we say, but it's, it's something that's apparent even if we don't open our mouth. That's a disciple, genuine love. Genuine sacrifice is also evident in the disciple. Genuine sacrifice. A real deal disciple understands verses 16 and 17 and and puts them into practice. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Now, a couple things jump out at me. First, it says if you love someone like Jesus does, you, you'd lay down your life for that person. Now, there may, be, there may come a time where we actually have to, to make that choice to, to give up our life for someone else in the name of Christ. We may have to give up our life because we, we believe in Christ and others who have the power to cause our death challenge us to state what we believe. But I think for most of us, Uh, practically what this means is for us to take our lives and to sacrificially prioritize the needs of others before ourselves. And not only that, but we understand this as being far more than just 
our material possessions. Verse 17, it talks about if we see somebody in physical need, then we, we're going to reach out to that need if we're a disciple. And that is true. But I want to expand your thought there and, and think about this. I talk about often when we talk about stewardship, it's about more, much more than just our money. In fact, I would think even more precious than money is time. All of us have a limited amount of time. If we love Jesus, if we are growing in our discipleship of him, I think we're going to come to the point where we understand that I need to, even though it's not comfortable, even though I've got other things I could be, we would invest our time in the growth, the spiritual growth of others. See, this works on two tracks. First, we're growing in discipleship. We're becoming a better disciple ourselves. And secondly, the Bible says we're all to be engaged in disciple-making. So if we are going to lay down our lives for others because we love them, then that means, I think, that we are going to prioritize with our time, with our emotional energy. We're going to invest in relationships even though it takes, it drains us, even though it, it takes investment, we're going to choose to make that investment because it is so important. We're going to invest our time and our energy and our spiritual gifts to help someone become a better disciple. And you know what happens? We become better disciples ourselves as we're more engaged in disciple making, but that has to be a priority. It has to be something, I think, that it, it's motivated, it comes out of this genuine love that we have that we will genuinely sacrifice, we will invest ourselves in others even if they don't show us any feedback, even if they don't show us any progress. That's why it's so important, I think, to be involved not just in coming to worship services on Sunday morning, and I appreciate you doing that, but it's also, I think, important to be sharing life with other Christians. And the way we're emphasizing that is in small group ministry. And I'll talk more about that in a moment. The third quality uh, a real deal disciple has is uh, genuine actions. Genuine actions. Uh, verses 18 and 19. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. It's not just talk. In fact, it needs to be far more than that. Billy Graham stated it in these terms. Faith is taking the gospel in. Works is taking the gospel out. So oftentimes, uh, we sometimes seem to emphasize works first. In fact, some people come across like, if you do this, 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 and this, then you'll be acceptable to God. The Bible clearly teaches that is not true we all cannot prove ourselves. We all cannot earn our way into favor with God, into heaven for him. Our salvation happens by our faith and through his grace. It happens by faith, but there is a process that works in us when we, we believe, when we have faith, then we are going to show it. There are going to be works arising out of that faith. That's what Billy Graham means. Uh, faith, it's... Uh, taking the gospel in works is taking the gospel out. Maybe this will make more sense to you and stick with you. Uh, you think about in the Christian life, a real deal disciple understands that faith and works go together. Uh, faith is like inhaling. 
And works is like exhaling. Faith works. And every time we invest our time and our energy and our, our, our lives in others, we put them before ourselves, we're exhaling. We're, we're sharing the gospel, not with our words, but with our, our life, with our energy. It's what's so important about making sure our actions line up with what we say. It's not just something we talk about, but it, it's something that becomes a part of us. And then he says there, that's how you, you come to peace, really. How we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Uh, I tell you, your investments for God, your investments for Jesus in the lives of others, your investments in disciple making, even if you don't see any feedback or any results, I assure you of this, I believe it will help you become more peaceful and more fulfilled and know your blessings. So we want to do this through our small groups. And let me spend the, most of the rest of the time talking about how we're practically going to do that, okay? Uh, I, I'll tell you, uh, we were convicted this last year. Uh, I was convicted we really need to invest and make sure uh, we, we push this for you and for our church. We're taking care of the physical hurdle uh, of having more space for our early childhood and our elementary ministries. And now we need to, to address this hurdle and, and have more people step up to lead small groups. We have the, more people step up to participate in small groups. Small groups. Let me say uh, we're going to use a couple different terms and talk about small group ministry. We're going to use community groups and Bible study groups, and I'm going to talk about the differences in those. But I also want you to know this, uh, that we believe this is uh, so important that we become a church of small groups, that we're doing it in the ECC. They have smaller group breakups too. We do it in the uh, elementary ministry, the kids zone. They Right now during this hour, they're breaking into smaller groups. And on Tuesdays, uh, they have third through fifth graders come and have a small group ministry. Uh, middle school and high school, they have small groups as well. So throughout our church, we believe this is a vehicle that we need to love one another. This is a vehicle we need uh, to make sure we're growing as disciples. Uh, small groups, community groups, we'll use those terms interchangeably. What are community groups? Uh, they are small groups of people gathering weekly with a mission to build authentic relationships or genuine relationships, to grow more like Jesus, to care for one another, reach people with the gospel. Let me break that down. Build authentic relationships equals community. Uh, grow more like Jesus, uh, of course, that's growth, that's discipleship. A disciple is one who puts Jesus first in every area of their life, who seeks to be like him. That's growth, discipling of growth, to care for one another. There is shepherding, there's accountability that goes on in small groups. It's impossible to do in a group our size in the, this morning, in this, this space. And to reach people with the gospel, that equals mission. Let me tell you something, we've had people come to our church and become involved in our church that first came to a smaller group. Instead of first coming to a worship service, that happens. The goal of community groups is to grow our disciple-making, uh, to foster community and growth and care and mission. Okay? Uh, the characteristics of community groups, uh, groups of 10 to 15 people. You get much bigger than that, it, it gets hard to do what community groups are about. 
Jesus had 12 disciples. I talked to you about a couple weeks ago. Uh, we don't want our groups to be much bigger than that. Uh, they meet outside of Sunday morning gatherings. Now, they can meet wherever. Uh, they can actually, and we have a couple of community groups that meet here during the week in our, on our campus just because it's easier for them. Uh, they're just not in the regular Sunday morning time. Uh, we have other groups that meet Sunday night in people's homes and various nights of the week. <clears throat> Bible study groups versus community groups. Those are the two terms I want to talk about. We have Bible study groups. And most of them meet right now in our fellowship hall. Uh, when we get the new building built, we'll have more rooms for that. But let me say, there is no reason why we couldn't have 10 Bible study groups, meaning first hour, 10 second, 10 third. We have that space. Bible study groups and then community groups. Also, there's no limit to community groups, really, even beyond. I mean, 30 practically for Bible study groups, but there's no limit in the number of community groups. Uh, some differences between them as we compare and contrast. Bible study groups meet year-round. The main thrust of our three-week emphasis here is on community groups, multiplying the number of them. But we need more Bible study groups. We need more Bible study teachers as well. The community groups will meet for 12-week commitments, okay? Next, uh, the Bible study groups are more teacher and content-based. Uh, community groups are more facilitator and discussion-based. Okay, next. The Bible study groups focus on content and community. Uh, community groups focus on community and content. Both they cover that because both are needed in the discipleship process. But there's just a little difference in the way they, they disseminate and, and give out that content and, and do things, okay? Bible study groups can be larger than 15 people. Community groups uh, ideally are between 10 and 15 people. <clears throat> what we're asking you to do and thinking of either leading or be, participating in community group is to commit to meet for 12 weeks at a time. We're bad in the church about getting people into open-ended commitments, you know, where you feel like the only way you can get out is feet first. Uh, we're, we're not talking about that. With the, we're we're going to start, uh, we're trying this year these 12-week commitments, what we call trimesters, okay? Here's our schedule for 2017. If you sign up to participate or to lead a community group, we're asking for a commitment from January 29th to April 30th. And then the summer trimester, June 4th, August 27th, fall, September 10th to November 26th, okay? <clears throat> there are on-ramps and off-ramps to our community groups. Uh, there will be a four- to six-week sign-up period before each 12-week session. Now, this is for community groups. Bible study groups, we also, we'd love for you to be engaged to participate in a Bible study group or to, to start one. Uh, if you want to learn how to do that or, or want to be trained how to do that, we'll help you with that. Uh, Bible study groups and community groups, both important. Uh, these 12-week trimesters are for our community groups. We'll make sure we uh, get that over clearly. At the end of a 12-week period, uh, either the leader can change or the, the participants can change or both. Uh, we want you to, to uh, and I think there's a strength in maybe going to different groups over time. You get connected to different believers and, uh, and, and share the fellowship, okay? I want you to think about what's your role. I hope in these three weeks, last week we had a down Sunday because of the weather, uh, but maybe you watch this on Facebook. I hope you've been praying and thinking about. I hope maybe the, the Lord's stretching you, challenging you to maybe get outside of your comfort zone. I, I want to say to you, we want to, people to come to us if they have a desire but maybe need some, some experience or some training. 
We'll help you with that, how to become a leader. If you know uh, you have that capacity, you're ready to lead, and you're convicted, led by the Lord to do that, we want you to tell us, and we'd be glad to have you leading one of our community groups or Bible study groups. But if you want to participate, and that's the main sign-up we have today in the table right there as you go out, there are different groups, including some new groups that we got going that are confirmed. We still most likely we have more groups uh, that uh, form. Uh, we're still working on getting uh, everybody together in that and, and getting the, the commitments and confirmations in. For example, there's not a sheet out there today, but what I'm going to be doing in, in community groups is every trimester I'm going to teach real-life discipleship. I've been doing this for three years, but my uh, small group leadership is going to be teaching real-life discipleship, which is a great study to learn about what we've been talking about this morning, discipleship. It's also, it can serve as an introductory small group. Now, I won't, I'm going to teach that. There'll be a sign-up sheet for that next week. I can't have 40 people in it, okay? Uh, so we may have, if you want to do that, there may be a, a next trimester or the trimester after that. We do that, okay? But this is a, a time for us to think about what the Lord is, is working in us and what he wants to do in us. You know, I, I really think that uh, we can spend a lot of our life going through the motions. And even more, I think a lot of us have a lot of stress in life uh, because we try to serve way too many bosses. I want to tell you, I was so uh, much put at peace uh, when I figured out if I just be who I am, 24-7, instead of trying to put a mask on and, and trying to appear preacherly all the time, uh, I, it became so much more fulfilling, my walk. I want to be the best disciple I can be. I want to be the best disciple maker. And I will tell you, that's first for me because it means I'll be a better minister. I'll be a better husband. I'll be a better father if I do those things being real. Newly promoted colonel, he moved into a makeshift office during the Gulf War. He was just getting unpacked when out of the corner of his eye he noticed a private with a toolbox in his hand walking his way. Wanting to seem important, the colonel grabbed the phone as the private stepped into the tent. Yes, General Schwarzkopf, I think that's an excellent plan. Yeah, General, you've got my support on it. Well, thanks for checking in with me, huh? Let's touch base again soon, Norm. Goodbye. Hung down, uh, put the phone down and said, and what are you here for, Private? And he said, well, sir, I was sent here to hook up your phone. Posturing. I think when you set your mind on being a disciple, and disciple maker, and that's what matters most, then you'll learn the posturing is wasted time and wasted energy. Sacrificing your life by investing in others with your time and your energy and your money to grow as a disciple and be a disciple maker, I believe that's the best way we can live. I hope you'll join us in that. You'll try it out. You'll step out of your comfort zone. Father, as we think about these things today, I pray for you to speak to us and continue to speak to us. Maybe not all of us are ready today to make a commitment, 
to lead or to be trained to lead or, or to participate, but I pray that you'll, you'll continue speaking to us and leading us. I'm convicted that all of us are called to be disciples and, and all of us also are called to be disciple makers. Help us to be that. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.